Senior Life Journeys presents Carol Howell's Let's Talk Dementia, a podcast designed to help caregivers find knowledge, power, hope, and smiles in their dementia caregiving journey. Welcome to Let's Talk Dementia. Here is your host, best-selling author, Carol Howell. Welcome to Let's Talk Dementia. I'm Carol Howell, your host. Today, our show is different. Normally, our shows are, you know, 10, 12, 15 minutes, and today, well, it's one hour. I was recently given the opportunity to bring the sermon at First Baptist Church of Cramerton, North Carolina, and then at 2 o'clock that afternoon, we had a question and answer session, and this is the soundtrack from that question and answer session. I hope it's a blessing to you. I hope you can find some time to maybe put your headphones on or your earbuds in and listen to it while you're caregiving, or maybe you could get out for a walk. Isn't that wonderful? I hope it's a blessing to you. Here you go. Hi, David Julin here at First Baptist Cramerton today, January 10th, and um, I'm excited. Uh, Carol Howe is here, and Carol has uh, brought our sermon today, but we have the opportunity to have Carol come back and speak to us this afternoon, and we're having sort of an interview-type session uh, to learn some things about Carol's journey as she has journeyed through dementia and in now to help, or at least journey through her family with dementia, and now she's on the way to help and empower people in the church and all around. And, um, so we're going to begin with a brief word of prayer, and then we will um, have a few questions to sort of start us off. So let's have a word of prayer now. Heavenly Father, we are told to do unto the least of these, and Lord, we often think that's a nice thing to talk about and to promise and to preach about but Lord sometimes when the rubber hits the road doing unto the least of these when it involves us helping others out time and effort and energy and sacrifice Lord it can be very difficult uh, Lord we pray that we would help you would help us as we make our way through life and especially when we have those who are dealing with memory loss and dementia uh, give us patience and peace and Lord Today, maybe we can learn something that will help us to be a better father, be a better son, be a better daughter, sister, uh, be a better neighbor. Lord, and we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I am excited about having Carol here. Uh, I've been to the church this morning that we had uh, been waiting to have her here for months now, and she's here and delivered a great sermon this morning. Uh, you can check that out on our website also if you would like to. Um, but Carol, uh, you had sort of an unconventional way that you came to uh, where you are now in life with this. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, just how did you get started working with uh, caregivers, dementia, and just whatever you, how you'd like to tell us about how you got here. Oh, so Pastor David, I think my whole life has been unconventional. Okay. <laughs> so um, my story actually started with my grandmother's diagnosis of dementia, my grandma um, Bessie, Grandma Carpenter, and she was diagnosed with dementia and she had told her girls for some time, something's just not right. And they're like, oh mother, you know, you, you're just getting old or you just kind of, no big deal. No one paid a lot of attention to that sentence grandma would say until finally she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And my aunt who lived in Florida cared for her, so I was very removed from that situation. 
situation at that time I was living in South Carolina. So I heard stories, they were scary, and I just was like, oh yuck, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. I'm glad my aunt's taking care of that. And then my mom would take my sisters and I on an annual trip somewhere. And we had the best time. She would pay for everything. And then we would go shopping on Mama's Money. And we would all four be in one dressing room trying on clothes. It was fun. And on the last trip, we started noticing Mama was having some problems. And she would ask the same thing again. Now, when are we going to go to? And we had just gotten back from there. And we're like, hmm, this isn't good. We wanted to blame it. I wanted to blame it on the injections my mama was getting in her back and uh, what that might be doing to her cognitively, which that can be very true. But upon going to the doctor, we did some further investigation and found out my mama had dementia. The phone call came to me um, while my husband and I were making a king-size bed. He was on one side and I was on the other. All good husbands should help with that, I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> And I answered the phone, and he said, Ms. Howell, just call to tell you your mother has dementia. That's how he said it. He just, just said it. And I went, are you telling me she has the symptoms of dementia or she might get dementia? He goes, no, ma'am, she has dementia, but don't worry about it. I'm going to call you in some medicine, and everything's going to be just fine. And I'm going, wonder why they didn't give Grandma that medicine, because she is not just fine. She was still alive at that time. I got off the phone, and I hung it up, and I stood there for a minute, and I sat down on the side of the bed, and my husband said, what's wrong? And I said, I'm either going to pass out or throw up, and I don't know which. He said, why? And I told him what the doctor said. He said, oh, he didn't say it just like that. What else did he say? I said, that's what he said. And David, it was at that moment that I knew we needed a new doctor. I could not work with a doctor that was that cold, that impersonal, and really not giving information. This is not going to work. So we proceeded to go back to our family doctor. He sent us to a different doctor. Mama went through quite a lot of cognitive testing um, and the diagnosis came back as Alzheimer's. That's the day my life changed. It is a day that I say I'll never forget, but will I? I don't know that, do I? So that's how my journey began. Well, um, you know, I wonder if most people are like that. You get a phone call or you have some sort of some sort of recognition, but then to finally hear that, it must be really difficult. Um, just for um, some folks like us, uh, what is the difference between dementia and Alzheimer's? Is there, is there a difference? That is the number one question I am asked. The second most question I am asked, just for the record, is how do I keep daddy from driving? Yeah. That's a big problem. Not so much how do I keep mama from driving, but how do I keep daddy from driving? So I, I answer that one a lot. But the number one question is, what is the difference between dementia and Alzheimer's? And people are very surprised to learn they are not the same thing. David, there are over 200 reasons someone can have dementia. So Alzheimer's is a kind of dementia, but it's not the only kind of dementia. So in those 200 kinds of dementia, we have reversible and irreversible dementia. So can dementia. I ask you a question? So sure. is dementia the broad umbrella term? for which Alzheimer's is a part of? Is that what you're saying? Maybe a little in the reverse. Okay. So here we have a bunch of irreversible diseases mm -hmm. like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and Huntington's, heart disease. And from that, 
can come dementia. Uh. So dementia, I compare it to a runny nose. You can have a runny nose for a whole lot of reasons, right? right? You may have allergies, you may have been crying, you may have just eaten jalapeno, and a lot of reasons your nose can run. So just to go to the doctor and go, my nose is running, can prescribe you an antihistamine when you probably should not have had hot peppers at lunch, that's not a good plan. We need to know why the nose is running. And many doctors, unfortunately, I see it all the time, will say, you've got dementia, here's a prescription, but never figure out why they have dementia. Because if I'm prescribing for you a medicine for Alzheimer's when what you have is Lewy body disease, that might not be a good plan. So dementia is the inability to think clearly that affects the activities of daily living. Now normally I really like to pause after that, the inability to think clearly, because we all have that problem. You know, this one, you put your glasses up here and you're like, I wonder where my glasses are, has anybody seen my glasses? Or better yet, you hold your phone up and whoever you're talking to is really boring you a whole lot, you know, telling you something you don't care, and you start going, where, I wonder where I put my phone? And you're holding it, we all do that. That is not dementia. But if you go to look for your glasses and you find them in the freezer, now that, there's no logical explanation for that. Or you find your phone between the mattress and the box springs. That's actually a very common hiding place for folks with dementia. <laughs> it's very interesting. Um, that's not normal. So the inability to think clearly, but it affects the activities of daily living. Well now, we are all good Southern folks but we do different things every day. The people in your house do different things every day. So what is it that we all do? The medical community has broken it down into five activities of daily living. You hear them referred to as ADLs, activities of daily living. There's five that everybody on the planet does. And you can remember them by the acronym BEAD, like the beads on a necklace, B-E-A-D. But I told you there's five. So we're gonna put a T on the end. The T messes up my acronym, so it spells nothing now. Isn't that right? And it also messes up the caregiving journey big time. B is bathing. We all bathe. Sometimes we get in the bathtub. Sometimes we get in the shower. Sometimes we get a washcloth and clean what my mom would call possible. That means you just clean whatever you could get to easily, you know, the possible spots. B is bathing. E is eating. We all eat. Now, you know, I said we're Southerners. We have grits. Do you have grits? Do you like grits? You don't like grits. Are you from the South, David? I know. Everybody in my family does, but I'm not a big We're going to have to pray for him about that, you guys. Well, if you go to Africa, they eat rat on a stick. It's the delicacy on, in, on the roads. They'll go, oh, the rat on the stick guy is here. You know, I'm thinking I don't want that. Just for cockroaches. You know, a lot of people would eat. Yeah. We all eat. We eat differently, but we all eat. So B is bathing. E is eating. A stands for ambulating. I don't care what physical condition you are in. Everybody moves from point A to point B, whether they're walking, whether they're being pushed in a wheelchair, whatever, they don't stay in that same three square foot area. We, we move about in some way, shape, or form. B is bathing, E is eating, A is ambulating, and D is dressing. Now, if you've been to Walmart, you know there are some people on our planet that have a little problem with dressing. <laughs> you look at folks and go, they do not have a full-length mirror in their house, I'm pretty sure, because they would never left house looking like that. <laughs> My wife has sometimes said that person does not have any friends. No friends, no friends. 
And if you go to the airport for the late night pickup, the last flight that comes in, people who come to pick up their loved ones will wear their pajamas. I'm not even, I've seen it. I'm like, are you just that anxious to get home and go to bed? I don't know. So, but we all dress. So bathing, eating, ambulating, and dressing. That's the bead on our necklace. And then T, you know what it stands for? Well, everyone thinks it stands for talking, but there are people who don't talk, so that's not it. But we all toilet. And that's why I was telling you, it messes up my acronym, and it also makes life really hard when we start having problems with toileting because now someone's got to help us and clean us and dry us and change us. It's a big problem. So the dementia, dementia is the inability to think clearly that affects at least two of those five activities of daily living. That's dementia. But there's over 200 reasons you can have dementia. Some are reversible. Some are irreversible. So when you go to the doctor and you hear mama's got dementia and they give you a prescription and walk you out the door, you've not really learned anything because you sort of probably knew that before you went. You need to know why mama has dementia. Is it reversible? Is it irreversible? Now I can start making a plan for life. So what is a reversible dementia? Yeah, good question. Um, a reversible dementia, there's several. The most common, well, I'm going to back that up. One of the most common forms of a reversible dementia is being drunk. Think about a drunk. Are they going to bathe themselves properly? Can they eat without spilling it everywhere? They can't walk the straight line. The police officers already found that out, right? If they try to button the shirt, it's not going to be buttoned straight. And we're not going to talk about toileting with a drunk. But we sober them up, all that goes away. That's a reversible dementia. So you can have a reversible dementia from drugs, legal, illegal, side effect from drugs. You take a senior citizen who is totally healthy, many times, and you give them, um, what is the medicine for nausea? I can't think of it right off the top. Finnergan, yes. Finnergan, to many senior citizens, will bring on dementia all by itself. Get the Finnergan out of their system, dementia goes away. You give someone with dementia Finnergan, whoa, it's like pouring gasoline on fire. Physically, as far as disease or things going on in the body, a urinary tract infection in a senior who has no problems whatsoever can bring about dementia. So if mama went to bed fine, and she woke up and she sees spiders on the wall and she's talking to her daddy who died 32 years ago. She did not wake up with Alzheimer's, promise you that one. She did wake up with dementia, but we need to know why. Go to the doctor, a good doctor's gonna have her tinkle in a cup and we're gonna see if there's a urinary tract infection going on. With many senior citizens, we find there is and we give them uh, antibiotic to take to clear it up and the dementia doesn't get better and the doctor goes oh it's probably Alzheimer's but if they had done the culture they would have found out they were on the wrong antibiotic get them on the right antibiotic the UTI goes away and the dementia does too but back up again if they have dementia and they get a UTI again it's a bad scene about thyroid? Is there some thyroid? Oh, that's a good question. I have just gone through thyroid biopsy myself last month. I don't know the actual proper answer to that, to tell you the truth, but I know thyroid can affect so many things in the endocrine system as part of it that I would not be surprised at that. Anything that changes the balance in your body for a reason can cause confusion. 
So um, another thing is a tumor somewhere in your body. Now, I love this. You know, Scripture says we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and my soul knows this very well. For many people that begin to have a problem, if a scan is done and they find there is a tumor that can easily be removed, sometimes the dementia will go away because it's being brought on. The body signal that something's not right is that tumor. It's quite incredible. Not always. That always happen that way, but it can. That's just some of the re, um, reversible dementias. So, um, if if we find out, say, a parent is doing that, we uh, and they just say dementia, we should say what? We should back say, the truck up and say why? Okay. Why does Mama have dementia? <laughs> Unfortunately, the doctor's going to go. Well, she's got Alzheimer's because almost always when you have dementia, you have Alzheimer's. Statistically, that's true. David, I've been uh, operating our company for 12 years, Senior Life Journeys. We've been a not-for-profit for six of those years. In that time, I have had many, many cases of dementia come through that were not Alzheimer's. I've had several Lewy body dementias. One of the folks who What is Lewy body? Lewy body dementia is named after Dr. Lewy. And he found these bodies, these things in the brain, and they named them Lewy body dementia. And so it is a different disease of the brain that therefore brings about dementia. Just like Alzheimer's is a disease of the brain, Parkinson's is a disease of the brain, and they both result in dementia. Lewy body dementia is interesting in its diagnosis process, and it is irreversible in that it has very distinct symptoms which are different from the symptoms of Alzheimer's type dementia. With Alzheimer's type dementia, the number one symptom always across the board, it's just true, is short-term memory loss. I can remember going to high school, but I got no idea what I had for breakfast. I can remember my children, I can remember my mama, I can remember my sisters, but I forgot I was supposed to go to church this morning that it was Sunday. That's for Louie That's for Alzheimer's. Lewy body dementia, we start seeing some problems with the gait, their ability to walk. They skate a little bit, they shuffle, their, their gait gets really confused, and they will often hallucinate. And the hallucinations almost always have to do with children being harmed, insects, and sexual activity. They almost always fall in one of those three categories. So it's a real clear thing. Oh, wait a minute, we need to scan and see if there's Lewy bodies in the brain. That's true. So yeah, it's very, there are other symptoms too, and then dementia comes off of that. And that's why uh, my company technically goes by the name Let's Talk Dementia, not Let's Talk Alzheimer's, because there's so many kinds of dementia. And um, so I've had several Louis bodies on clients in. Um, I've got a lady who came today with her family for service. Her mom has um, Louis body. I had a phone call this past week from a fifth, no, 63-year-old lady who has both Lewy body disease and frontal temporal lobe dementia. Now, frontal temporal lobe is uh, dementia. Frontal temporal lobe disease is irreversible. And your frontal lobe is right here behind your forehead. This is the part of your brain that tells you you should not run naked at Walmart. And you should not drive 95 miles an hour down Franklin Street. And that you don't curse in front of priests. You know, and those appropriate, inappropriate things are held here. So one of the telltale signs of frontal lobe dementia is we become very inappropriate. Yeah. Sometimes we're the life of the party, and then sometimes we're just rude and, and socially unacceptable. 
And it's not they're doing it for attention. Their brain literally cannot decipher what's appropriate and inappropriate. And the interesting thing is, the frontal lobe on a female is fully developed somewhere in the late teens by 20. The frontal lobe in a male develops much later. And when you think about it, 20-year-old males get more trouble than 20-year-old females. And the reason for that is that male brain really is not processing appropriate and inappropriate like the female brain. Makes me feel good about my gender. <laughs> That explains a lot. Explains a lot. Yes, it does. You know, we had a uh, church member here that was a boxer, and um, you know, he had blows to the brain. Dementia. I guess it would be more dementia than Alzheimer's, but he anyway. He, uh, right. That happened. So if you've had a blow to the brain, so you think about soccer players, football players, car accidents. Um, motorcycle accidents, any injury to the brain, your chances of Alzheimer's are increased by 50%. So it would be Alzheimer's, not could be the one. It, well, remember, the disease comes first, and then comes the symptom. Okay. So there was a reason for that inability to think clearly. And I'll give you an example here. October 9th of last year, we're recording this, January of 2021. And um, October 9th last year, I was in a car accident. My car was not even cranked. I was sitting in a parking space, the car wasn't cranked. I was kind of leaning this direction, looking down at my phone, and my husband was doing his, whatever he was doing. And all of a sudden, my car's moving forward, and my car's moving back. And someone had hit me from behind in the parking space. I have a nice little Honda Fit, he was driving a double cab Silverado pickup truck. Like, my car would fit in the back of his truck, right? Mm and he accidentally hit the gas instead of the brake when he was coming through the parking lot, right into the back of my car, shot it over the concrete bumper into the grass, then it rolled back over the concrete bumper into the parking space, and it all happened in a blur. In the process, I hurt my hand, and I've dislodged five discs in my back, and, and all kinds of stuff. Wound up going to the neurologist, and I knew what he was doing when he started. He said, Carol, I'm gonna give you four words, and I want you to remember them. And I said, you are doing the mini mental status exam. Now that's a little exam that doctors will do, um, and anybody can do it, where we're gonna kind of test what you can remember and just discern how good you are at it. Mini mental status exam. And I said, that's what you're doing. He said, yeah, I knew you would know. So he gave me four words. Then he asked me to state the presidents in reverse order. Well, I kind of helped him know that even if I had not been the accident, I probably would not get that right, because I'm not real good at that. And I said, Hmm, Trump, and I'm going, the other dude, the other dude, the other dude. Okay. Oh yeah, Obama, Bush, and Bush. He said, you forgot Clinton. And he said, oh well, we're not gonna count that against her. I said, well, I voted for Ross Perot, are you gonna count that against me? And he said, no, I grew up with Ross Perot, I'm gonna give you points for that. And then he had me count backwards by, from 100 by sevens. Well, again, I'm not a numbers girl, but I got so far and I realized, can't be right. The math and that doesn't work. I got messed up somewhere. Carol, tell me the four words. And I sat there almost in tears and I went, I don't know. He goes, oh no, you know at least one of them. And I'm going, no clue. Not the first. And I thought then, I'm going to be sick. This is dementia. I have no clue what he had just told me. And he said, well, that's not good. And he said, when you come back next month, we're going to do a full 30-minute comprehensive test to see what you can remember. 
paranoid for 30 days, let me tell you, just something. It really made me empathetic for what my clients go through who have dementia and their family members, because now I'm there, you know. And so I would have my husband tell me, we'd be sitting in the living room, I'd go, give me three words, see do I remember them, you know, keep testing me until my appointment. Went back for the cognitive assessment, came through with flying colors, which I'm thankful for. My dementia was brought on by a concussion, a pretty severe concussion to my brain. My brain had to heal, and now I'm fine. But I didn't have Alzheimer's. I had a concussion. So see how you need to know why you're having this inability to think clearly. Because many doctors would have written me a prescription for Aricept, which is the most common medicine prescribed for Alzheimer's and does nothing at all to help. Nothing. I just so against it, I can't begin to tell you. They would have prescribed that. When what I had was a concussion, my brain needed to heal. Um, so yeah, it's kind of interesting. For me, it's very interesting. Are there medications that help with Alzheimer's and dementia? No, not for Alzheimer's. The most commonly prescribed two, two well, three most commonly prescribed medicines for um, Alzheimer's start with Aricept. And uh, I'm trying to remember the generic name of it, Dinepazil. The next one is Namenda. And the third one is Exelon. None of them, none of them have been proven to do squat diddly doo da to help in any way with Alzheimer's. The progression of the disease that's causing Alzheimer's is not altered one whit. There are those that believe it slows the progression of the dementia. Not a lot of science on that. Maybe, maybe not. But the reason for the dementia is not changed one bit. Other diseases that cause dementia, that story is, can be slightly different. There are medicines that help with Parkinson's. There's definitely medicines that help the symptoms of Parkinson's, the severe tremor. I had a client who had Parkinson's so severely that her whole body would shake and she would move in her chair like this and couldn't stop when it was time to take medicine. You got her medicine in her. She would calm and she could lay back in her chair and relax. But if you can imagine just moving constantly and you can't stop it, how exhausting that is. And it was really horrible life for her. So there are medicines that help with some of the reasons for dementia, Alzheimer's, mm -mm. but there are other things we can do. Can I tell you that? Okay. <laughs> Please do. That's the good news. So um, my mother had Alzheimer's dementia, and later we found out she had Parkinson's dementia also. It's called mixed dementia when you have more than one type. But uh, when Mama was going through her journey, this knowledge was not available. I had never heard it, I'd never read it, I'd never seen it in any class, that I, or heard it in any class I attended. Mama passed in 2019, how I wish I had known some of this. But they are learning more and more what we eat what we don't eat, the exercise we get, the exercise we don't get, the social interaction, and yes, you can be socially interactive with COVID. We're doing it right now, this you know, media uh, recording, social interaction, who you eat with. Do you know when you eat with other people, your food digests better than if you eat alone? That should be no surprise, right? Attending worship. Whatever your form of worship is, but that gathering of people of like faith is very good for the human brain. It's quite amazing. 
And then wearing a helmet, I think, when you're sitting in a car might be a good idea. But that's just me saying. <laughs> but we know that the constant influx of preservatives that we eat, of sugar that we eat, the things that we put in our body that God did not make, that you didn't pluck out of the ground, or even the animals. God didn't make the animals for us to eat. Now, I don't eat them personally, except I get a smidgen of bacon because that was one of God's perfect foods. Don't you agree with bacon? A salad with bacon is just so much better. And I do eat fish, but I don't eat the other animals. That's Carol. But eating them as a condiment, not as the main part of your meal. The main part of your meal needs to be those things you plucked out of the ground, right? They know that that is very healing for the body. And what that does is it helps heal the gut. It helps heal the heart. Anything that affects the heart affects the brain. So if you're not getting good, healthy blood flow to the brain because the heart has an issue, you're going to have problems, and this isn't good. There are many physicians or scientists now that are calling the gut the first brain, this the second brain, because this is sending so many signals to the brain that the brain reacts on that it's coming from here first. And so the diseases that we have, so many of the diseases that we have in our world are brought on by what we eat and what we don't eat. So I don't eat anything that comes pre-made. No, it's got preservatives in it, not doing it. You don't even want to know what happens to my skin if I eat preservatives. It's not funny. I've written a book about that. It's called If My Body's a Temple, Why Am I Eating Donuts? I like that title. And it's my story of, of I've lost 100 pounds because of this allergy from eating preservatives. I don't eat sugar. We know that inflammation in the body increases your chances of Alzheimer's drastically. Sugar is one of the leading causes of inflammation in the body. Don't eat sugar. Artificial sweeteners. Oh, no, 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 no. I, really, artificial sweeteners are worse on the human body than sugar, and sugar is like Satan. So if you can figure that, it's, it's even worse than that. It's awful. I use monk fruit sweetener, which is a natural, comes from a fruit, monk fruit. It's good for your body. It's very, very, it's like 400 times sweeter than sugar, so you just use this a little bit. Not bad for my belly. Not brain it's up here my belly and my brain the things that we eat the things that we don't eat and then all the time we're sitting in front of computers watching television thinking yeah I could go for a walk but you know NCIS is coming on I really don't want to miss it well maybe you should maybe you should get up and go for a walk because exercise, exercise. and it doesn't have to be I'm you know sweating my lungs out I'm gonna lift 100 pounds and do 20 reps or Something you enjoy doing, get out and do it. Okay. Um, some of the things I've heard from people too, and just in my own experience, when you're trying to communicate with somebody that has dementia or Alzheimer's, you know, when you have a, a child, you can sort of, to a certain stage, you can pick them up and move them around, tell them what to do. Um, and then you have an adult, a loved one, a parent, um, are there some tips that you can give us to communicate? Yeah, and, and comparing it with children is interesting because I'll have clients tell me, well, I just treat mama like a little baby. And I'm thinking, you think mama likes that? Mama brought you into this world. She can take you out, too, you know. She doesn't want to be treated like a child. So it, it's not the same type of caregiving as you would give a, a child. 
So communication is a huge problem with dementia because I can call you and go, hey, David, I'm picking you up to take you to church tomorrow. I'll be there at 10 o'clock. We've got um, stop by and get gas in churches at 11. Be sure and be ready. And you would be ready. But I can call someone with dementia and tell them that, and I go to pick them up. They might be ready. They might not be ready. And you're going to say, I called you yesterday and told you that. What's your problem? And they're like, you didn't tell me. You told me I'd have been ready. No, I did tell you. And we have this argument going on, right. which, which accomplishes zero, right? So instead of telling someone with dementia something important that you need to remember over the phone, don't do it. Tell them in person. Now, I'm going to pick you up tomorrow and take you somewhere. They're not going to remember that. Just save your breath. Don't do that. But ways that we can improve that communication is to get down with your mask on, close to them, on their dominant side. So if they're standing up, you can stand up. If I were to come over to you, I would get on your dominant side. Are you right-handed? I would get on your right side. I would take your hand in my hand, and I would rub your hand and help you to feel calm and relaxed. The more relaxed you are, the more you're going to remember what I'm saying. That's true across the board always. So hopefully get you a little relaxed. And I'm going to look you in the eye and go, David, tomorrow at 2 o'clock, and I'm going to put two fingers up, because if we see it and we hear it across the board, we're always going to remember it more. So I'm going to pick you up at 2 o'clock tomorrow. We're going to drive to the doctor. He's going to listen to your heart. You know, he puts that thing in his ears. And what's that called, Mama? You know what it's called. But we're going to try to bring Mom into that conversation. And she might say stethoscope. She might not. He's going to listen to your heart. Tomorrow at 2 o'clock, we'll get in the car and go. Now, the odds of Mama remembering that for tomorrow are really low. But if you got in that same position on her dominant side and eye to eye rubbing that hand and you went, Mama, it's time for dinner. Do you want pork chops or do you want steamed vegetables and some sliced cheese? I know, everybody's thinking pork chops, right? No. I've given her two choices, three choices. You give three choices, four choices, five choices. They're going to pick the last thing you said. You may count on two choices. They can process it down in their face. Eye to eye, dominant side, increases the ability to comprehend. The brain reacts different when the human body that's speaking to them is on their dom on the person's dominant side. I tell, tell folks with my husband, our, our refrigerator was dying, and it really was, it kept leaking water out onto the floor, and my husband kept telling me it was my fault. I don't know how that was true, but anyway. And it finally did die. Well, he's a lefty. And um, I went to his dominant side. He said, what are you doing? I said, I gotta talk to you about something. You know, he got a little scared. Mm -hmm. And I said, the refrigerator has died. I'm just telling you, it's not keeping things cold, and there's water on the floor, and it's not me. And I, on his dominant side, down in his face, he said, babe, go down to Home Depot, pick out the refrigerator you want, let's be done with it. Yes. So now I call that my dementia refrigerator. Dementia. He said, you used your techniques on me. I'm like, yeah, it worked really good, too. But it also works good with our children, with our employees. Anybody you want to get a point across to, just get on their dominant side. That will help. It just occurs to me, too, if you have an appointment that has to be made, though, if they've got to leave at 12, you might should show up at 10. <laughs> yes, so, yes. To because help get them ready. Get them ready. And because your frustration at getting there at 11, 15. Oh, through the roof. And do you think they're going to respond to you well when you are frustrated? No, that's, that's not a good thing. It's like your dog that picks up on you when you're angry. We all can pick up on that on other folks. But there's still also, I find, a 
you know, whether you're in full-blown dementia or Alzheimer's and you're talking to your parent or adult, there's still that, I'm the parent, I'm your parent, and when I'm talked to a certain way, even if I don't understand everything, I think it, it, it's still sort of, you know, who are you talking to me like that? Don't talk to me like that. They deserve respect. Um, I, I don't take kindly to caregivers who yell at their folks with dementia. I can tell you that if, if your daddy had heart disease, you would not yell at him because his ticker wasn't working properly. Right. Or if he had kidney disease and he had to go to the bathroom a whole lot, you wouldn't get angry at him because you just took him to the bathroom. Now he's got to go again. He can't help. He has kidney disease. But we will yell at people who can't remember. Good gracious, Mama, I've told you 14 times, Daddy died in 1962, which, by the way, we would never, ever repeat. We don't bring bad news into the world of our folks with dementia. I don't care why. You don't so, ever do that. I just I have had that experience before where people would have continued to say, well, Daddy died 10 years ago, mm -hmm. and but what do you do? Do you just let it lie? Okay, let's have that conversation. So. I'm going to be the caregiver, and you're going to ask me about somebody who's okay. here. Play with me here. Where is he? Where is uh, Uncle Ken? You know, I keep looking for him, and he's he's, he's not here. He's never around. Gosh, Uncle Ken, he is a nut. Hit me. That's one of my southern words, y'all. Hit me. Mm. What is that word? How do you spell that? I don't know. He's a nut. He makes me laugh every time we're together. Don't you think he's funny? Yeah, he's yeah, funny. He is funny. When's he going to get here? I, you know, I'm not sure. I know that the last time I saw him, he was frying fish. He'd been fishing. You know, that dude likes to fish. I'm going to be good at it, too. He was frying all the fish he made. I'm getting hungry. You, we should have hush puppies. He, he would love it if we had hush puppies. When you fix hush puppies, what do you put in your batter? We could continue this for a long time, I guess. <laughs> so what you're doing is you're moving them off from the where are they? Yes, absolutely. It's called diversion, diversion therapy. Now, you did this with your kids. So Johnny and Jake are on the floor playing. One's got the red truck, one's got the yellow truck, and the one with the red truck wants the yellow truck. And It's a big confusion, and you can't take the yellow truck away from the kid that's being good because the other kid's mad. So you go get the fire truck, and you bring it in and go, hey, look, let's play with the fire truck. We just got this. It's brand new. Look, if you press this button, it makes noise. We didn't yell at them. We diverted their attention. Diversion therapy is a huge, huge useful tool, really in all of life, but especially with dementia caregiving. You know, I think one of the things that I've found working with some folks with addiction and stuff, that when it's also a real terrible, difficult learning experience, crash course in self-awareness, mm -hmm. um, and so having to deal with a family member's addiction, you have to also, with your own self, learn to go, I would imagine, not try to argue, not try to bring it back to the point mm -hmm. that you just want to, you know, Drive home. Drive home like a hammer. It's, it's, so it's a real growing point for the person who's the caregiver. Can you explain well, a little bit about Well, I that? think the, the point to be made always, I don't care what the topic is, the situation, I just don't care. Always, the point in dementia caregiving is to bring that person to with dementia through that conversation happy. Mm. And if you ever do anything that brings them to a point of unhappiness, well, then you've not you've not been successful. 
We have to bring happiness into the world. I tell folks, uh, my mama's journey was on the teacup ride at Disney World. I mean, it was, just, it was a world of laughter and a world of joy. We never had any bad thing happen. If anybody died, mama didn't know, you know? No, after a certain point in her journey, that is. Always good news is all we ever brought to mama. In that line of thinking, we did another, used another technique called therapeutic fibbing. Now here we sit in the church of the good Lord, and one of the Ten Commandments says, Thou shalt not bear false witness, what's the next word? Against thy neighbor. I'm all for that. I'm not arguing with the Bible here, okay? So don't throw me out. When we are telling a story or changing that story for our loved one with dementia to something that's totally not true, that the uncle, we made her believe the uncle's still alive. And even if we said, I think he'll be here tomorrow when you know he's dead. That's called therapeutic fibbing. It brought them from that position they were into a happy place. You could tell them he had died and what are they gonna do? Grieve again. And some people do that and they grieve over and over and over again. That's not being kind. You use therapeutic fibbing in lots of life situations with folks with dementia to bring them to a place of calm and happiness. That improves communication. That decreases anxiety. That helps them sleep better. That reduces the chance they're going to open the door, walk down the road, and us never see them again. So does the Lord look down and go, well, there she is, lying to her mama again? Or does he look down and say, thank you for taking care of my kids? Well, it makes me think of the biblical of Rahab lying about yes. Joseph, the, the coming across into Jericho. And I think Augustine said, never, never use the truth to hurt. There you go. Uh, so Ooh, there's, a, that there's, a, there's a couple of at least the Rahab things. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. there's a greater purpose in that. Oh, I will use that verse. I had a preacher's wife that went through sessions with me, and she said, I, I just can't do that fibbing thing. It's just not right. And after a while, she decided to try it, and it was very useful in her caregiving journey with her husband. So she came back and said, I've changed the name of it. I said, okay, what are we calling it? She said, divine deception. <laughs> I said, you go with it, baby girl, if it makes you feel good. <laughs> what do we do when talked about this a little earlier, when our loved ones will not do what we want them to do, when we need to get them to take a bath or need to get them something to eat. And when they're young, we can just pick them up and put them there. Sit down there and eat your broccoli right. now. Yeah, that's probably not a good plan with mama. Mm -hmm. Or with daddy, who might still be stronger than you. Right. <laughs> you might right. really regret that. Or even if daddy's not, I'll tell you, some folks that I have dealt with in the past, you know, a little 87-pound 90-year-old woman, little weakling, get a hold of your hand and squeeze, and you're like, let go, let go, let go. They don't realize the strength that they still have. So, yeah, how do you work with them through that? Um, now, I forgot the question. What was the question? Um, when they're, oh, how do we get them to do, do something do. that we don't yeah. want? I, I swear I passed that cognitive <laughs> test when I went back. I really did. <laughs> How do you get them to do what you don't want them to do? And that's going to be hard in any life situation. But you're going to approach it very upbeat. You're not going to go in and go, Mama, it's Tuesday and you stink and need a bath. Come on, go take all your clothes off. Go ahead, strip naked. Mama, I told you, take all your clothes off. you still got your underwear on. I can't bathe you. Mama, why are you being so hard to get along with? You stink. I mean, that's never going to come across for anybody good. 
But if you went in and in bathing, as the example, you went, Mama, guess what? Let me show you what I've got. And you pull out a bag of M&Ms. Now, this is the one time we're going to bring sugar into the story. And I'm all over this. For me, it would be M&Ms because, girl, I'm telling you, there were M&Ms in heaven. I'm absolutely sure of that. And I've got M&Ms, Mama. Come on in here in the bathroom and sit down on the toilet. I want to wash your shoes. And you can eat M&Ms. You get Mama there and you get down and you start washing her shoes. And I can't get that shoe done. So you take it off and you give her some more M&Ms and you're washing her shoes. Well, Mama, your socks are dirty. You get her socks off and you give her some more M&Ms. You wash her feet. See, we're starting to wash things. You want, well, Mama, we should just get in the bathtub. What do you think? Well, let me change that. Not the bathtub. We don't ever want to take a senior citizen for any reason and put them in a bathtub. Why? Because you've got to get them out of the bathtub. And that's like the slippery octopus. More accidents happen in the bathroom than anywhere, right? It's a bad thing. Put on a shower chair in the bathtub or on a shower chair in the shower. And we're going to already have that water started. It's warm. We've tested it on our arm. We've tested on our leg. It's not too hot. Mama, just sit here for a little bit. It'll be easier for me to wash your feet. Here's some more M&Ms. Mama's probably going to do that because now she's getting M&Ms. Now, I would do a lot of stuff for M&Ms. Really so great. she's in the bathtub. She's on that shower chair. Shower chair. We've got right. her moved over there. We've washed her feet. Okay. We've pulled her pants legs up. We've washed her pants. We've washed her legs. We have her lean forward. Mama, let me scratch your back. And you start scratching her back. Oh, that feels good. I tell you what, I'll scratch it under the shirt. You raise up her shirt and you start washing her back, right? Well, we kind of haven't washed any of those private areas. How are we going to do that? You'd be surprised, even in the very late stages, if you give a warm, soapy washcloth to most any adult and tell them, I'm going to turn around, you wash the rest of you. They will. Yeah. We're going to give them some M&Ms before they get started. So it's it's how we approach that. With eating, getting uh, someone with dementia to eat broccoli when they hate broccoli, well, don't do that. Give them, at that point, give them what they will eat. Because we do get to the point with Alzheimer's type dementia that we do quit eating. Totally. The brain actually tells us that if we eat, we'll be sick. And then as the disease progresses, the brain tells us that if we drink, we're going to be sick. So we quit eating, we quit drinking, and we die. So whatever you get them to eat or drink, you give to them. But you present it. I've got the best supper cooked. You are, you are not going to believe what I fixed for supper. It's so good. I've already tasted it. I can't wait for you to have it. We've just built it up to this super big high. And it's probably... Nothing that we had, didn't have last week or the week before, but we've built it up. Happiness. Happiness is the key. How can we help people? Because in my experience as a pastor, I have gone to many um, assisted living homes or going to homes, and the person who would never curse, oh. you know, all of a sudden um, they you know, say the most awful curse words, they use racial, oh, slurs. Uh, they, they say vulgar things, and the, and I'm talking not so much about that person, how you prevent that, but the family member, how, they, they all of a sudden just become a gas, oh, and, and uh, how, do you, how can you help somebody? And you're right, you're not going to help the person that's doing it, right. because the disease is causing it, so we have to help the caregiver, we have to understand why that's happening right mm -hmm. so what we know is the words that you have that you use are all over your brain right the curse words the racial slurs the first time you said a dirty word and your mama said david julian if you ever say that again i will beat you within an inch of your life <laughs> you push that word to the outer reaches of your brain your other words are in lots of places of your brain 
The brain is being destroyed from the center of the brain out. So as the brain is being diseased, and it actually leaves the skull and leaves the body, so by the point of death, one-third of the brain is all that's left. Mm. Two-thirds of the brain is gone. And what that two-thirds hold? Memories, education, funny stories. But you know what's left? The outer reaches of the brain, that's where those curse words were because your mama told you you couldn't say them. So you go to visit Pastor Julian in the, in the skilled nursing community and he is saying those words and you are so upset because he preached to you for all those years and now he is cursing. Oh my word, it's awful. It is not him as a person, as a Christian. It is the only words that he has left. He's using the words he can get and they are on the outer reaches of the brain. So I tell the story that I grew up in a, in a Baptist household. My daddy was a Baptist preacher. And um, we did not use those words. And if you tried, you would only do it once. I can guarantee you that. And I have a younger sister and an older sister. I have spent my life trying hard not to make those a regular part of my vocabulary. And I will admit, I use them more than I should. My older sister, she uses them in ways I didn't know you could do that. I'm like, can you use that word in a sentence and it worked? I mean, what does that even mean, you know? So I figure one day with our family history, we're going to wind up in a community together, sitting side by side, and I'm going to be cursing like crazy, and she's going to be sitting there reading her Bible, and they're going to think she's the sweet one and I'm the bad one, and that just makes me mad. Because if you don't use those words, as David Julian doesn't use them in his everyday life, you're more likely to use them later. If you do use them now, you're less likely to use them later because if you use them now, they're all over your brain and they leave. They're not on the outer reaches. I once had a nurse tell me in a dementia area that uh, lots of times the, they would, old hymns and curse words would be some of the last things and they would be right beside each other. They would be singing hymns and then they would curse mm -hmm. you up. And, and it there. doesn't have to be hymns, it's music. Just okay. music, any, I call it the can I say this in church, the artsy-fartsy stuff? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Good, because I just did. Um, anything um, artistic is held in the right temporal lobe of the brain. So you can remember this, right rhythm remain. So if it's a rhythmic type thing, it's held in the right temporal lobe and it remains through all the stages of Alzheimer's. The left temporal lobe is where language is stored and we lose it. Lose it. RRR, right rhythm remains, LLL, left language, lose. So the person who is cursing, they didn't curse in their life, so now they're cursing, and they went to church, and the songs they remember are coming to their brain. But it also might be Frank Sinatra, or I start to say Elvis Presley. If you go in most communities nowadays, Elvis is not the thing. That will come in probably five to 10 years, you'll see more Elvis. I have had clients with early onset Alzheimer's, which is a different disease from Alzheimer's. It's two different diseases. And their, their music that they're recalling is Led Zeppelin. And I'm sitting there going, okay, die, I know no Led Zeppelin. That's not my kind of music. So music is very healing. It is one of the most wonderful forms of therapy for someone with dementia is to start singing their songs with them. I've had clients that I worked with on a regular basis and I went in and did music with them, sang all their happy songs. New York, New York, I had a, a client that um, was from New York. She loved that song in that part, New York, New York. She would throw her hands back and sing it to the top of her lungs and smile and happy. 
That's what we want. Because when we left, she was upbeat. She felt good about life because we brought music to her. Don't argue with them. No. Just let that go. I'll always. Who do you argue with that you generally win anyway? Not my wife. <laughs> <laughs> There's just not many people that, I mean, you just don't. Right? Just don't argue. It's not going to work. The, one of the last uh, questions we have here, um, any ideas on encouraging loved ones to eat? <laughs> it's interesting that we'll see folks who sit down to eat and they only eat what's on the right-hand side of their plate. They don't eat what's on the left-hand side of their plate. And you think, well, she must not like mashed potatoes. Depending on the situation, if they've had a stroke and they have dementia brought on by a stroke, or even if they don't have dementia but they've had a stroke, they may only see half that plate. So let them eat what's on that side of the plate. And then do what? Turn the plate around. So now the side they didn't want is on the side where they ate. And they'll eat it, right? Encouraging folks to eat by, like I said earlier, providing for them food that is palatable for them, that they will eat. Doesn't mean you don't want to introduce healthy foods. They might actually like some tofu. You don't know. Give it a shot. Um, you're sitting there thinking, no, they're not going to like tofu, right, dude? <laughs> I'm going to bring you some. It's very good. Um, so bringing to them the foods that they like and being upbeat about the meals. And then also realizing that some folks with dementia will eat all day long. They can't get enough. My grandmother ate nonstop. My mother, we had to constantly remind her to eat. So we would fix plates and leave them on her counter, which is an assisted living, that had cheese and grapes and crackers and strawberries and those things that were good for her nuts that every time she walked by her counter she would get a handful of food and she would eat that whole thing every day but she ate it along because she saw it and she went oh strawberries but she didn't sit in her chair and go i should go to the kitchen and get strawberries off the platter that carol left on the counter that didn't happen no when she walked by she saw it and it sparked it in her brain, strawberry. That I like strawberries. Let's eat that. So those kinds of things will help. You know, this is my experience as a pastor. But I tell me your opinion. But I am of the opinion that you should never promise somebody that I will never put you in assisted living home. I have, I have seen marriages fall apart, relationships uh, because somebody is just saying. You know, I promised Mama, and at some point, it's um, impossible to do. It is, and, and most of the time, that statement comes from heart, and Mama probably went into a what we call now a skilled nursing community. Oftentimes, you'll hear people call it a nursing home. It's not the term. Um, skilled nursing community. And the skilled nursing communities of the 60s and 70s, nobody wanted to be in, let's face it. They were scary places. And so mama went, mama saw it, and now she's got a son, and she said, son, don't ever put me in one of those places. I agree with that. If you possibly can, don't put them in one of those places. Nobody wants to be there. But a good skilled nursing, a good assisted living, a good memory, good memory care community, a good group home, I love group homes, are wonderful places to be. And we know that people who have dementia that live among other folks with dementia live longer and have a better quality of life than if they live at home by themselves for sure, but worse if they move in with you. They don't want to live with you. They really don't. They may not even remember who you are. 
They remember mom and daddy, but they don't remember their son. Don't move them in with you. That's not what they want. Let them live with people like them. They can tell their same story over and over and over, and over again. Nobody cares because they don't remember it. But mama has asked for that because mama has that vision. So you don't argue with them, but you go, mama, I want to take you and show you this wonderful retirement community. And you've already called Carol, and I have arranged for you to go to her. We do get a commission from communities if you move into a community that I like, because I don't refer you to communities I don't like. We've got arranged for you to have a tour there, and you're going to go show mama this beautiful, beautiful assisted living. Well, that is not the image she had in her brain when she said, don't ever move me to one of those places. And then you go to the retirement community, and guess what? Um, the VA is going to help you pay for it because there are benefits for veterans to help for that in case you didn't know, and I can help with that. Or you've got a long-term care policy that will pay for dying of it, Mom, you could live here for free. Isn't that cool? It changes. I, I, I just agree. I just think that, you know, you can say, you know, Mom, I'm going to do everything I can to do right. it as best I can. But when you promise that, I, you, can, you don't even really know what you're You don't. And my husband and I have had this conversation. We do own long-term care policies. And you guys, if you can afford a long-term care policy, get one. It will pay for itself over and over again in some form. The long-term care policy might be used for an assisted living or a group setting, or it might be used to pay somebody to come in and help you at home. It's a great investment. Unless you wait real late in life to buy it, and then nobody can afford it. Right. But my husband and I bought ours. Um, he was 60 and I was 57 or somewhere around there. It was about $300 a month, which is a lot, but not concerned considering. Not uh, yeah, one, one day in most skilled nursing communities runs about 200 a day. Um, but taking them, showing that to, showing it to them, helping them to understand how pretty it is, getting them moved in, you'll see a great improvement. But my husband and I had that conversation this, this past week when we were walking one day about our long-term care policy and how much it would pay. And I said, you know, I think our plan should be that we will take care of each other at home as long as we can until one of us is a wander risk where they've got to be in a locked building because you don't want your loved one to walk away. That's right. very scary. Or the other one can no longer physically or mentally handle that care. We're going to wait till that point. That's our plan. But when that happens, we will be ready to go to a group setting, and we have agreed that that's how we will work it among us. Right. Are there any questions uh, from the audience? Any? covered it all we're good well uh, Carol just uh, give us a little bit before we leave here uh, so there'll be people who obviously watch this online uh, how to reach you your website email YouTube phone yeah uh, podcast just give us we the whole shebang <laughs> so if you go to let's talk dementia.org that is our not-for-profit there you will see my mug probably more times than you wish but I have a, you can click on the tab up in the top right, little drop down menu, and there is one that says videos. And there you will have a lot of my videos. There are even more on YouTube under Let's Talk Dementia. We got a brand new website last year, and I could not get all of my videos moved over. That was going to be a, an act of Congress. So there are more at Let's Talk Dementia on YouTube. If you do that same drop down on our website under podcast, Part of them are there, there's probably a couple hundred. You go to iTunes or Spotify, um, uh, lots of places. I can't even think of the other ones. There's probably 400 
um, you podcast there. All of that's free. And then my books are there. Let's Talk Dementia is Amazon number one bestseller. If My Body is a Temple, Why Am I Eating Donuts is a bestseller. Um, my two newest books, um, Mama is Confused and So Am I, that is there. Reminiscent Worship is a 30-day full-color devotional that is geared towards the person with dementia being able to work with it or a caregiver working with that person for a daily devotional. It's a very pretty book. The cover of the book has my mama's hands on it, so I'm mm. very confident that touches my heart. But all of that's there. And then there is a uh, link that says contact Carol or schedule a free consultation. And it's been really interesting, Pastor David, what COVID has done to slash for our business. Um, we have thrived through COVID. And we've always given away free phone consultations. One. After that, then you need to pay for my time. And I very much felt the Lord saying, no, Carol, just give it away. Mm -hmm. So I started offering free phone consultations. If you need one or if you need 50, I don't care. Write me, get an appointment, and I'll call you. It's that simple. We had a donation come in that we were never millionaires expecting. And I was going, wow, this is, this is great. And I very clearly hear the Lord say, give your book away to every one of those people who call you. And I'm like, but Lord, I sell the book. And he goes, yeah, but now you're going to give it away. And so if you call me for a free consultation, I'm going to get your address. I'm going to mail you a free copy of Let's Talk Dementia. So you got nothing to lose, right? That's right. And God has blessed that. And I'm very thankful for it. So really remember, Let's Talk Dementia. Mm -hmm. If you can't remember anything else. It's there, yeah. Let's My phone number is 803-984-9875. I do take phone calls. Um, I'd appreciate if you text me first and say, can I call you right now? Because you know, I might be having my broccoli and tofu, and I don't want you to interrupt me. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here, and uh, we're looking forward to you coming back uh, right. whenever we can sort of get past the, the COVID. And uh, thank you so much for thank your you. ministry, and thank you for sharing with us. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. We hope to see you soon. A special thank you to our sponsors, National Association of Veterans and Families, 800-352-2919 or www.navf.org. Contact them for information regarding benefits for the veteran or the spouse of the veteran. Tell them Carol sent you. National Association of Veterans and Families. They speak veteran, so you don't have to. HD Imports, located in Rock Hill, South Carolina, wonderful mechanics for the repair and maintenance of Honda, Hyundai, Acura, Toyota, and Kia. HD Imports, 803-985-0985. I would like to take a special moment and thank you for being a part of Let's Talk Dementia. You can find all of our resources at our website, letstalkdementia.org. Our podcasts, our videos, our books, our blogs, and a form where you can contact me are all right there on the website. I look forward to hearing from you. Blessings and smiles.